Hey, uh, Alan, we have another inductee into the uh, IT book club. Hold on there, Rob. I just want to say that for the people that have been emailing us, it is not the It Book Club where we only read Stephen King's It over and over again. Yes, this is the IT, the Interrupted Tales Book Club, which any of you can become a member of simply by reviewing us on iTunes and or Apple Podcasts, whatever your device says it's called at the moment. Um, we have a current new member. Uh, it's by Avatar Spectre, otherwise known as Jacob from the So It Is Told podcast. Hi, Jacob. Good podcast. Good guy. Very funny podcast with actual real comedians rather than two jackasses with a mic. <laughs> and he writes uh, sharp, polished and funny. Rob and Alan have chemistry and content for days. The sci-fi is ridiculous. It's pretty, pretty accurate there. And, and the story is outlandish, but the hosts keep us on solid ground. I really enjoyed the episode with the smart house. Yeah, the angry house. That's oh, uh, the angry house. Yeah, yeah it's a favorite so, of ours, I think. A chilling story about what X10 will evolve into. Go listen to the uh, So It Is Told podcast and, and and then come back and listen to us and please become a member. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale! Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Rob, and I'm joined tonight by the Peebo to my Bryson, Alan. How are you, Alan? Is there really a relationship there? Well, you can't have Peebo without Bryson. Are you thinking of Peebo and Jelly? Peebo and Jelly? Nobody would eat that. Really? <laughs> now I'm thinking that's a... That's a if Peebo Bryson is still alive, he's got an angle now to... Uh, you haven't been to his food truck? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Alan, enough, uh, enough frivolity. This week, we have a tale of adventure. Right? Get serious. Yeah, let's get serious here because we've got a tale of adventure from the June 1939 issue of Thrilling Adventures magazine. They really sell it up front, don't they? They really do. It's thrilling right in the title. Uh, this one is called, uh, it's by John L. Benton, and it's called A Matter of Cash. Yeah, and that's a matter of cash. Thank you. That's a... That's a reference to the lo-fi classic by Spare Snare 20, 25 years later, and they're, they're still making music, Rob. Scottish, right? Uh, Spare Snare, uh, the 46th best Scottish band of all time, according to some <laughs> internet folk. <laughs> 46. Well, um, it's uh, the Proclaimers take up uh, 1 through 45, I believe. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Again, enough nonsense, Alan. It's people demand quality and professionalism. Really? Well, they demand a show. So now it's time to grab a drink, 
and curl up in your favorite chair while we read you this week's tale. Francois Renault sat at his ease on the thin-roofed veranda and sipped appreciatively at his gin. Mm. 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 I don't know whether it's the hint of juniper or the overwhelming flavor of turpentine, but damn if this Gordon's isn't refreshing. <laughs> of a certainty, he smiled at the linen-suited, straight-backed man who, even in the heat, stood about stiffly and unrelaxed. I think it's the methanol that <laughs> it gives it. That I mean, it's got a little burn to it. Ah, oh, it's nice though. It's a nice burn. Good burn. Yeah. Plus, the, the plastic bottle really, really makes it easy to transport. I think that's Gilby's. <laughs> that is Gilby's. I would say your scientific expedition has a most worthy purpose. You wish to lease the cove from me and the land adjoining in order to further your study of marine life. You wish to erect scientific laboratories. You wish to see if you can crossbreed a seahorse with a sea monkey. Hey, we've all been there. What do you get? Uh, a seahorse monkey or a sea monkey horse? Um, I think you get Aquaman. <laughs> Sounds about right. Wait, I think you get a kraken <laughs> now it's time to get a kraken on the story alan uh, uh. if you could just leash the the kraken again <laughs> rob just put a leash on that who keeps unleashing this kraken everybody Jeez, what, what why do we have the leash at all people i don't understand Ugh, i hate roommates hate it he paused to take another sip and the rental the tall blonde man who was the leader nodded wordlessly. From a thick wallet, he withdrew a sheaf of bills and counted out $5,000 in English pounds. 17 hours later, the deal was done. <laughs> Hold on now. 4,986. Did I say 86 or 87? Hmm. Hold on. I. I ran out of gin a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not sure where we are. Renault took the money with a smile, placed it in a hip pocket with a slight shrug. And the contract? The blonde man spoke brusquely. The signing of papers is not necessary, Monsieur Renault. You are dealing with a gentleman. Oh, certainly, yes. Well, old chums from Eton College's school for bagmen of privilege. <laughs> Renault made a deprecating gesture. But of course. How indiscreet of me to even mention it. You will join me in a drink, gentlemen? He rang a little dinner bell, and Sam, his Papuan boy, padded from inside the house with a tray of glasses, limes, and another bottle of gin. The little island of Francois Renault, nearer to Australia than the Philippines, and nearer to heaven than either, nestled serenely in the broad bosom of the South Pacific. Or as we call its bosom now, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. <laughs> A veritable paradise of lush vegetation, coral beaches, and calm, magnificent tropic nights, 
the island did a steady, dependable business in copra, coconut oil, and mangoes, all of which provided Renault with a medium but comfortable income, kept the natives happy, and assured the infrequent visitor of a warm and friendly welcome. Oh, it's, it's so friendly. You get laid coming off the cruise ship. You get laid at the hotel. Uh, not on the beaches. The vendors there charge you to get laid. I mean, <laughs> you got to make a profit. And don't tell me those jokes don't work for Melanesian people, okay? Because they share a common ancestry with Polynesians as well as a similar love of flower-based double entendres. Thank God. For a second there, I thought we were being insensitive. No, I I think it's pretty clear we don't know what insensitive means. <laughs> Not Tom Paine, however. Paine had arrived the night before, dripping wet and unheralded. Burp, 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 burp. Uh, oh, no, sorry, sir. That wasn't for you. We were just warming up to play a Herb Alpert tribute set. <laughs> Good. That's... You have to warm up, you know, to really hit the, the energy of a, uh, of a Herb Albert production. No one paid him any particular attention the next morning when, refreshed from a night's sleep under the brilliant stars, he went inshore, his strong, easy strides oddly set off by sun-dried white shirt and trousers. He bummed a meal of taro, poi, and coconut milk from a native hut. Beachcombers were nothing new on Renault's island, and this husky, clean-featured white man with a most assuring smile. Uh, Beachcomber is also nothing new to Canadians who had nothing to better to watch on a Sunday for 20 years. It's a little joke for our friends from the north. Did they, did they get Mutual of Omaha up there? I mean, I know that's a little south for them, but... Uh... <laughs> Pain in his own way made quite a day of it. He walked up and down the clean, sandy beach for hours, tossing shells into limpid lagoons and skipping smooth, flat rocks over the water's surface. He took off his shirt and pillowed it under his head, letting the hot sun bake more copper into his smooth, brown back. Oh, why stop there? Just go nude. <laughs> why not? Listen, you don't want unsightly melanoma lines. You want a nice even covering of skin cancer all over, okay? <laughs> Later in the afternoon, he went for a swim, and a bunch of native boys dived in after him, and they played tag in the warm blue waters until Payne laughingly ducked one of the youngsters and made for the shore, shaking the sea out of his wet hair. Oh, God, this is interesting. I cannot wait for the next chapter to tell us how his frog did in the jumping contest, <laughs> or how fast his soapbox racer went. Thrilling adventures. You've done it again. <laughs> it's right on the package. Twilight came with its symphony of reds, yellows, and deep purples, and swiftly the island and the sea were swept with a soft blanket of night. Night, and Tom Paine was no longer the laughing-eyed beachcomber, of course not. That's just common sense, Rob. Tom Payne. Mm. Now, if you had to rate how tragic that joke was on a scale of the Stamp Act through the Whiskey Rebellion, what would you give it? I don't know, Alan. I'm, I'm going to have to consult my poor Richard's Almanac to figure out that uh, particular rating. Okay. Quietly now, like a silent wraith, 
Payne made his way to the extreme end of the island, his eyes cool, but his features hard. As he approached the sheltered little cove which Francois Renault had leased that very morning, he drew up short, and his eyes narrowed. For a scientific expedition, this outfit was certainly going to work as though they had a hurricane by the tail. Well, you know that famous scientific motto, get rich or die edifying. <laughs> it's a good bumper sticker right there. Uh, you think so? I think so. I was thinking of doing coexist bumper stickers, but I invent a religion that has a, an exclamation point as its holy symbol. I like that. Alentology? <laughs> no, sorry. It needs an exclamation point. Alentology! <laughs> hey, you've been indoctrinated. <laughs> Sweet. Gasoline flares, strewn about the shore and for a hundred yards inland, lighted the labors of some fifty men. Out in the cove, a steady procession of small dories went to and from a compact, squat little steamer, riding heavily at anchor in the cove's gentle wash. Payne drew nearer to the headland, strained his eyes in the darkening night. A dory scraped shore, was immediately drawn up by a half-dozen brawny arms. Swiftly and efficiently, bags of cement were transferred to waiting wheelbarrows. Uh, swiftly and efficiently? Do 80-pound bags of sacrete weigh less at the equator? Yeah, it's, it's a whole math thing. It's uh, gravity, dude. It's Gravity Dude, the new YouTube Red show with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Jake Paul. <laughs> Subscribers, negative 43. Wow, that's, that's rough. They should get on PewDiePie and the ghost of Carl Sagan. <laughs> Which took them 50 yards inshore to deposit them before heavy canvas tents. On the shore already were piles of lumber, bundles of iron rods, and, off to one side, packing cases, which might have held anything from construction tools to canned foods. Yes, the whole gamut of mysterious possibilities, from wrenches to Vienna sausages. <laughs> Could have been ducklings. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe wrenches. I don't know. Who knows? The, the, the types of potted meats are nearly endless. <laughs> oh, deviled ham. That does not keep well in the tropics, let me tell you. <laughs> it's nice deviled ham slathered on some uh, some nice mango. Mmm. Mm. It's good mm. eating. Payne whistled softly under his breath. The boys are certainly going at great guns, he muttered. Hmm. This is just the first few loads. They must have enough stuff in that ship to build a fort. Must be several tons of couch cushions and blankets and... <laughs> but it's gonna be laundry pins do they even clothesline pins where do you even get those these days i don't know but it's gonna be really easy to build half of it but once the ground becomes lava it's gonna get really hard <laughs> look how low she rides in the water <laughs> title of your sex tape for lonely boats <laughs> Lips compressing, he slipped off his clothes and made for the black water. His black bathing trunks sagged a little around the waist. He'd left them behind a clump of bushes when he'd gone swimming that afternoon, 
Not very sensible, he knew, to let the natives see the bulgy little pocket around the waistband which contained the waterproof packet of matches and the compact stick of dynamite. I know we're supposed to be wondering about the dynamite here, but I, I can't help wondering what he was wearing when he went swimming then. Hmm. He'd left them behind a clump of bushes when he'd gone swimming that No, afternoon. no, no, no. He'd gone swimming in that suit. He let his black bathing trunk sagged a little around the waist. He'd left them behind a clump of bushes. Yeah, he'd gone swimming there took off the bathing suit, got dressed, and then he didn't want the natives to see anything under his pants. <laughs> the, it's airtight, Alan. It's a compact stick of dynamite. It's a, <laughs> it's a exploder, not a shower. <laughs> now, now, don't be so down on yourself. It's a perfectly fine stick of dynamite. Come on, let's not talk about the dynamite anymore, okay? <laughs> Easily he swam. The dynamite needs to work at the proper time, okay? It doesn't... If you talk about it, it's... Who knows whether it's going to go off or not. It's not the motion of the ocean. No. It's the size of the explosion. Mm -hmm. Easily he swam toward the ship, drew up beside the anchor chain, breathing deeply. He had made a wide circuit of the ship and come in from the starboard side to escape the dories. Exactly. Get back to original ideas, Pixar. Oh, poor Dory. She's adorable. Come on. Oh, but it had Bailey and and uh, and and Destiny. Come on. The little boats were still going and coming in a steady stream, and evidently intended to keep it up until the late hours. Face grim, body tensely alert, Payne used a hanging rope to haul himself aboard. There were no sentries about. Obviously, every man available had been put to work. Stealthily, Payne hid behind a pile of packing cases on the deck, watching his opportunity. Metal Gear Payne. What? Just a box. Just a box. Just a box. It's a fact I'm already familiar with. I noted to myself several times during my guard rounds. I, I have never played a Metal Gear Solid game. Well, geez, this joke isn't for you then, Rob. Why can't you just accept that? You don't have to go on a forum and write a big post about how you didn't get that joke. Uh, thank God there's no forum. When a couple of men working in the hold came up for a breath of air and a smoke, Payne saw his chance and darted down the forward hatch, his bare feet padding soundlessly. Suddenly, there was a sound behind him. Pain whirled, eyes narrowed in the hot, cargo-laden hold. His eyes had already taken in swiftly the bags of cement, the cases of machinery, the engineering equipment. Just a superhuman talent for inventory management he has. His talents are being wasted as a hired tough when he could be a regional Costco supervisor. I was just walking through the aisles, and without even looking, I could tell we're low on 10-gallon jugs of salsa. That's a lot of salsa. <laughs> it's Costco, man. That's what you do. Wow. Yeah, you buy a 10-gallon jug of salsa and uh, five pounds of uh, meatballs. So you're saying five times the size of a two-gallon jug of milk yes. worth of salsa. Yes, it's a barrel. You have to roll it out to your car. Oh, that's where the song comes from. Which song? If you replace the word fun with salsa. <laughs> 
Now he saw the burly, brute-browed seaman emerging from the connecting door, which led, probably, to the engine room. Roll out the barrel. We'll have a barrel of salsa. (laughs) (laughs) It was the slogan of... It was the song of Pace Picani sauce for years, damn it. (laughs) Well, we're back in the engine room. (laughs) Oh, right. We're We're in the engine room. Yeah. Contents. One engine. How does he do it? Oh, my God. He could tell just from looking. It's a skill. Superhuman. Startled. The man stared at the trunk-clad swimmer with wide, blank eyes. Then, sudden comprehension tightening his harsh, heavy features, he opened his mouth to bellow a warning and sprang forward in a lumbering rush, the heavy wrench in his hand raised like a club. Or like a wrench. (laughs) I, I mean, I think it's... Pretty implied he's not going to tighten anything. <laughs> Wrenches do two things, okay? All right. They wrench and they kill big daddies. Oh, that's true. <sighs> the shout died a warning in his throat. Like a human catapult, Payne had launched himself across the hold, his eyes blazing, his right fist drawn back like a leashed mallet. Or like a fist. <laughs> what is with these analogies? I mean, it's not fucking special relativity we don't need theater of the mind here drawn back like a fist about to punch does not require a lot of fuzzy thinking (sighs) who unleashed the mallet is the question why keep it leashed at all (laughs) guys why do we have a leash on this mallet I I, I keep asking this question the object changes but we still have the leashes. <laughs> Did, was there a sale on leashes? Did we just have to lash everything down? What is going on here, people? In the twinkling of an eye, bone-hard knuckles smashed out. You know, just on the subject of special theories, oh. you know, I don't think a lot of people appreciate that it only took Einstein 10 years to expand his theory of special fisting into the much more rigorous theory of general fisting which fits a much wider set of applications you know alan as as someone who's done a lot of uh serious research into fisting um i have to say that einstein's work it's amazing how it still holds up well he was a giant in the field oh sure. larger than life yeah it's a shame that in his lifetime he never really got to prove that with fist light it operates in a duality of both a particle and a wave and uh, so he never Uh got to prove his uh, special theory of double fisting (laughs) (laughs) and we're all at a loss for that it's it's a it's a lesser world because of it Mm -hmm. in the twinkling of an eye bone hard knuckles smashed out buried themselves in the yielding cartilage of the thick fleshy throat the burly man fell back, choking and spitting blood, then brought the wrench down on Payne's left shoulder. Like a wrench-shaped club hitting a smaller leg that's attached to your clavicle. <laughs> Eyes hard, Payne drew back his fist and shot it home to the burly man's midriff. The engine room man said, Woof! as his stomach collapsed, and he crumpled to the board, flooring in agony, retching violently. Blowing on his knuckles, Payne reached down, grabbed hold of the wrench, and let the brute have it. Jeez, 
after you already gave him the punch and puke? The old, old punch and puke. The old punch and puke. Breathing a little more easily in relief, Tom Payne hurried into the engine room and over to a corner. Okay, wait a minute. So that guy is dead, right? Yeah. Did we miss the part in the story where that guard had poisoned a milk bone factory that exclusively makes treats for service dogs with terminal illnesses? <laughs> so I feel like maybe that was a that was a wrench too far, maybe. It's early in the story, Alan. Maybe these guys all turn out to be part of Cobra and they deserve it. He was already puking up his lungs. Ah. I feel like even Cobra Commander should get a get a little bit of a break at that point. Yeah. He could hear the waves. I mean, Serpentor <laughs> definitely deserves that. Serpentor, if anybody deserves a wrench to the head, it's Serpentor. Okay. Laser wrench. <laughs> but the problem is you hit him with a wrench on the head and then he jumps out of the plane and he's got a parachute and it's it's just it's just the same thing over and over again. He could hear the waves outside lapping softly against the steel plating. Not a safe cracksman, Payne went to work then with an efficiency which any bank mob would have applauded. Hey, hey, I just gotta say, nice. Don't think I won't remember this come peer review time. <laughs> That's is this is a great compliment because mob peer review time is rough. It is. The tough part is is you either get that ninety on Metacritic, or uh, you uh, you swim with the fishes. I think it's sort of a, a snitch curve of, um, hey, did you did you snitch a little? To did you snitch a lot? Listen, there's no good answer in there. <laughs> There's a, there's no good answer when you do your self evaluation, you know. This is why because you need. They're a... not going to believe you didn't snitch at all, right? Right. But, but even a little snitching is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. This is why it's I'm a big bad. fan in the mob of a full 360 evaluation, so that you oh. can you have a chance to tell who's snitching uh, upstairs. Okay. <laughs> he opened the little pocket in his trunks. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> You don't he, like where this is going. He opened the little pocket in his trunks, attached a short fuse to the heavily charged stick of dynamite, and wedged the explosive into a crevice. And then he lighted the fuse with a safety match, and almost in the same motion was running toward the opposite end of the engine room from which he had entered. Let's light this candle. Oh, shit, hold on. It's just, they got a little wet there. It's, uh... Okay, okay, reset. Time to blow this place. Oh, it bent, it bent right in half. I just... <laughs> one more time, okay. And bang goes the... Uh, you know what? I'll just say it after I start running. That's, that's, that's probably for the best. He made his way back on deck, heart beating wildly with strain and excitement, and dived with a soft splash into the mothering sea. He was just breaking water, yards from the ship, when he heard what he thought was a cry of alarm. The engine room man, then, must have been discovered. Which he knew from the many screams of, Why, God, Barry's last day for Doctors Without Borders was up on Wednesday, and he had just finished giving us all free dental work with his simple but effective club-like tools. Oh, poor Barry. Yeah, well. <sighs> Barry's tour is over. <sighs> Ten seconds later, there came a muffled explosion. Payne could hear it through the water. 
The overladen steamer seemed to rise, just a trifle in the gentle swell. Then it settled back slowly, rocking a bit from side to side. Rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Don't explode the boat over. Mm-hmm. Well, you got the notion. Pain could I do s- have the notion. <laughs> I got the notion for some explosion. I mean, he doesn't rhyme the word ocean with notion. <laughs> Shows remarkable uh, restraint. Restraint in a in a song called "Rock the Boat." Agreed. Actually, Payne could see the crew escaping as he swam in a great circle around the cove, and when he reached shore, panting but with shining eyes, the ship had already settled to the main deck in the water, a stranded, sodden, squat shadow in a background of throbbing darkness and yellow starlight. You know, people keep telling me I have to read a background of throbbing darkness and yellow starlight, but I just can't get into Eggers. I don't, you know, maybe it's me or maybe it's the fucking titles of his books. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Francois Renault sat on his thin roofed porch next morning, sipping his gin with the leisure that had been rudely interrupted, but 10 minutes before by the leader of the expedition and a half-dozen of his men, white-faced, haggard, and bitterly angry. And wet. I mean, come on, towel dry before you come on the porch. Yeah, there's right. There's a little sign right there of, above the little spigot to wash your feet at least. We don't want to have to mop constantly, okay? It's a, it's a hazard. Now they were gone. Renault sighed a little tiredly. A young man in white shirt and trousers, a little blood stain on his left shoulder, came around the corner of the porch then, nodded easily to the Frenchman, and seated himself on the veranda. He poured himself a drink and downed it in a gulp. He smiled and fixed himself another. Your friends left but a few moments ago, Renault observed quietly, but his eyes were smiling. They kept me waiting, Payne grinned. Boy, does this drink hit the spot. Okay, um... I feel like we're getting kind of to the end of the story here, and I, uh, I just got to go through the checklist, okay? Right. Uh, um, okay, <clears throat> I made a, I made a Thomas Paine joke. Okay, check. Okay, have I made a major Paine joke yet? Not yet. What do you okay. got? Okay, something about Razzi. How about not see? <laughs> I don't know how that sounds, Alan. Really? Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let's see how it goes in the playback. Okay. Okay. Uh, have I made a Tyler Perry's House of Pain joke yet? No, but I would be really interested in hearing what it might be. Hold on. Let me dress up as an old woman first. All right. Okay. I'm ready. That's the joke. I know. I'm seeing if I can get you to do anything more. Didn't work. No, thank you. Didn't work. All right. Renault lit a cigarette. You got my message? Because I see the little eye icon on the Snapchat story, and I'm pretty sure that means you saw it, but you didn't reply, which I think is a thing you can do, although I've got to be honest with you, Payne, I'm pretty out of touch. I had to look up how Snapchat works just to make this joke. I don't understand it at all. (laughs) All those kids with their Snapchat and their compact sticks of dynamite. Ten days ago. Payne took the proffered cigarette. That's pretty good time coming from Manila. Renault nodded. Of a certainty, a ship dropped you ashore two nights ago? 
Payne smiled mysteriously. I chartered a boat as soon as I got your message. It was glass bottom, so I could make sure no one was following me. <laughs> there was a I've fish. I've seen Thunderball. <laughs> there was a fish that looked like it was following me for a while, and, and, and then it just stopped to eat something. The Frenchman was amused at that. Was he? <laughs> he was. Okay. He, he's out, he lives on this island. He doesn't get out much. Let me tell you, the Chuckle Hut is an actual hut. <laughs> Quick workers, you soldiers of fortune. The last one I sent for took 11 days to get here from Australia last year. Uh, hey, guys, is this reveal going to be mostly travel scheduling? <laughs> I think the Trivago guy is going to explain it all with a voiceover. Because I don't trust older men that are that handsome, Rob. Yeah. They had to have made some dark, dark deals. <laughs> it's true. Payne goggled. The last one, Renault nodded. But of course, the Japanese were here only a year ago. And they, too, liked my little cove. Yesterday, it was the representatives of another power. Apparently, my cove seems an ideal secret naval base. Yes, it sounds very secret. So far, only uh, five nations seem to know all the details. <laughs> Extraordinarily secret. I would not know about that one, sir. I'm only a patriotic French citizen, minding my own business. Oh, right. Okay. Six nations then listen it's a fine line trying to market a secret naval base okay it's kind of like trying to promote a speakeasy <laughs> you try putting together a social media engagement plan for that a lot of ad visitors not wanted beautiful <laughs> cove off the, in, in polynesia micronesia wow Again, don't belittle yourself, Alan. I'm, I'm sure it's not Micronesia. Just move on. Tom Paine's eyes were big, and then he grinned hugely. Business was good, eh? Francois Renault shrugged. So-so, my friend. A fair profit. Not as much as from the Japanese. Now, how much do I owe you? Nothing but my expenses, Paine grinned. It was a pleasure to scotch their plans. The end. Wow. So, um, those are the most, uh, thinly veiled Nazis I've ever uh, read in a story. You know what I just want to say is that, um, I had to look up whether uh, scotch was a racial insult just to, just to make sure that there wasn't in the very last line of the story that, <laughs> that we had just read. Yeah, but they, they were Nazis, right? That's a... Are they? I don't know. What country? Why would the guy do it for free? I think that really gets to the moral of the story where, you know, it's obvious that you're... You're ruining it, not just for yourself, but for all soldiers of fortune when you keep devaluing your work by doing things for free instead of at industry rates. Yeah, that's, this is, this is again. That's why I keep saying no faceless murdering without collective bargaining. Yeah, yeah. And this goes to my moral of the story, which is you mm -hmm. never, 
ever ask a soldier of fortune to do work for free. It's it's just rude. I mean, what about some soldier of fortune intern that uh, needs to get some maiming on his resume? What's so wrong about that, Rob? I mean, Alan, Alan, it's not called soldier of nothing. It's called soldier of fortune. Okay. Well, listen, you got to pay your dues first. You know, you got to be soldier of entry level position (laughs) and then a soldier of mid management. And then you finally get to soldier of fortune 500. (laughs) (laughs) This is the American way. It's true. Um, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, I hope everybody tunes in next time for another exciting interrupted. Okay, itemized here. Okay, $320 ship ticket from Manila to Port Shh on secret naval base island. Approved. $2.50, one pack, pre-moistened, unwettable mud sticks. Uh, Approved. Four dollars, one hallmark, sorry for your lost card with I'm coming for you next and everyone Barry has ever loved written in blood. <laughs> okay, fine, but I'm I'm gonna send that by regular first class, not airmail. Tail What it is, everyone. I'm Jacob Meza, the host of the podcast, So It Is Told. Each week, I read a new folk tale or fairy tale with a local comedian and or world traveler. Like your drunk grandma reading a bedtime story, their suspense. Oh my god, they are cannibals! Magic. <laughs> and all-around madness. They're birthing hips! Available on any mainstream podcast directory. F-f-f-fresh. <laughs>